Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. This week we round up all the latest from the tour and hear from Spanish Open champion and world number four, John Rahm. Hi guys, Justin Rose here and welcome to the Golf Monthly Clubhouse podcast. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. Uh, my name's Tom Clark and I am joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Hello, Tom. I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Excellent. Elliot's wearing a lovely red jumper today. Um, look, you look like it's autumn-y, wintry. You're ready ready to play some golf in some trickier conditions, colder conditions, are yeah, you now? Yeah, I'm starting to wear a coat to work every day now, which is, is the sign, isn't it, that yep. autumn is here and winter is coming. Uh, you, by the way, are wearing... Your usual Ralph Lauren polo shirt. Yeah, blue Ralph Lauren polo shirt, perfect. Imagine Tom is a member of The Simpsons or something. He essentially just wears the same thing every time we see him. Have you got the new balance trainers on? Of course. Yeah, he has. I just looked under the table. Right. Okay, okay. I do have different shades of blue, but uh, very much blue. Um, any golf over the last week? No, the course was shut on Sunday. We have had some quite heavy rain, haven't yeah, we? It was raining very heavily on Saturday night. But really, I know that would be a huge disappointment for some people, but um, I really feel that some of the golf courses probably really do need some water. Um, some of the ones that I played on recently have been pretty dry. Um, and yeah, good for your gardens, good for the golf course. I had a new swing thought as well, which I didn't get to try out. Which is? Uh, Hit the ball? Shallow the club on the backswing instead of like coming um uh, across the line get it more behind me like matt kuchar something like that oh you didn't like me saying that did you so no golf so when's your next golf uh i've got a competition in two weeks and i came second in it last year it's a bogey competition do you know what a bogey competition is uh explain to to me and all the all the listeners i think a lot of listeners will know but um, I, well okay but just explain it's it. where you basically play match play against the course mm-hmm. so you uh, get a shot off the course on the holes where your handicap gets a shot. So if you make an eagle, you just go one up on the course. And if you make a 10, you just lose the hole. I'm with you. Sounds yeah, good, good fun. Sounds good We fun. should do more of those, actually. Yeah, let's do it. Go and sort it out. I'll go and beat you. Yeah, how was your weekend? Uh, what happened at the weekend? Um... What did happen at the weekend? Must have been so good. I, ru- I, did, I did a bit of running. I've been doing running. I'm doing a half marathon this coming Sunday. Um, Do you want to tell the listeners what you just had for lunch? <clears throat> I just had a mighty lunch, an athlete's lunch. <laughs> so, uh, yes, a bit of pizza and a uh, chicken burger. Double, um, double chicken burger. All right, relax. Um, uh, yeah, so I did a bit of running, doing the Royal Parks Half Marathon this coming Sunday. If you'd like to sponsor me, do uh, go to my Facebook or something. Um, or my Twitter. Um, What's your Twitter? At TPC1981. Um, as yeah. in TPC Sawgrass? That's as in TPC Sawgrass, but mainly because that's my initials, not because TPC Sawgrass or any other TPC course. Um, yeah, um, what else did I do? I did do something, but I can't, I can't for the life of me remember, but um, it was obviously really exciting. I watched golf, actually, because it was closed, yeah. Saw Rahm dominate round in Madrid. John Rahm did play particularly well, didn't he? He's quite good at golf, isn't he, John Rahm? Yeah, very good. <laughs> um, yeah, let's start with John Rahm. So he successfully defended his Spanish Open title with a five-stroke win over Rafa Cabrera Velo in Madrid. It was his fifth European Tour title in his 29th start. Just let that sink in for a second. It was his fifth European Tour title in his 29th start. It's ten fewer than Sevi Ballesteros. So 
he's taken 10 fewer starts to reach five career wins than Sebi Ballesteros, so that's quite a nice stat. Um, he's now won nine pro titles in just three years and is up to fourth in the world. He's also top of the race to Dubai now with just seven events left to play. Um, he's pretty good, isn't he? Yeah, he he was awesome at Wentworth and seeing him in person and seeing him in that calibre of field and just how he he, uh, he was essentially dominating but it didn't happen for him on the final day and Willett was amazing. But yeah, it was just another great performance. He's had so many top tens this year and he's future world number one, future What, major what do you winner, think, I think. His, is the biggest secret to his success? Why is he so good at golf? What is it? Is there a certain particular part of his game which you just think he's just the best at that at the moment? Uh, not particularly. I think he's just a winner. It's just his mentality. Uh, nothing seems to face him. I mean, he does get angry occasionally, but it doesn't really affect the next he's shot. He's passionate, isn't he? He's passionate. Yeah. He really cares. He goes for the wins every week, doesn't he? He doesn't want to finish second. He wants to win. He's not happy with the top 10. Um, and he wants to strive to be the best golfer. And also, there isn't. he's a particularly good golfer. Every bit, part of his game is good, isn't it? There's, wouldn't, you wouldn't say there's a really weak part no, to his game. Um, and, I, you know, the th- thing with pro golfers, it's always a putting competition a little bit isn't it uh, but if he has a good week with a putter then he really flies with a putter doesn't he and he's not a poor putter by, by any stretch of the it's magic. a beautiful fade off the tee as well he just literally hammers it down the left and he just knows that it's going to come back into the fairway yeah so let's hear from John Ryan we met up with him recently at the Afro Dunhill Lynx Championship up at St Andrews and he chatted to us about the clubs in his bag and what he can do I'm probably like the worst person to ask this because I have no idea how my clubs are set up. Uh, I'm going to have to look at it. It's, uh, I know it's a 10 and a half degree head, M5. Uh, usually, in what I've done in the past to facilitate my fade, we put weight on the toe of the driver. Uh, it's just what it's done and right now, basically we just have the two weights in the middle. It's just, I liked it since the first day. This Aldila shaft I've had since I basically got to college, so seven years I haven't chased it. Uh, but yeah, usually it's set up to facilitate me to hit a fade. Not many draws going on with the driver. I, I use the M4s. So I've always been an M2 player and M4, uh, just because the shape and the way he looked at it. Uh, when we went to the photo shoot and we tried them for the first time, I just started hitting M5s and 6. And I kind of told them, because I didn't want to be biased to, towards one of them, uh, before I was hitting them, I just started hitting and I said, I like this one, M5. It's, it was as simple as that. In the past, what I've liked about the two and the fours is just the shape of it. It just fit my eye better. It was just as simple as that. Three was my baby. It used to be the worst club in my bag up until Adrian helped me out with the three wood. Uh, it's an M5. It does say 15 degrees, but it's a high launch. So it's a little bit, it's set up for higher. So it's got more like 17, spins more, uh, just to have a little bit more control. And it's also set up on a little bit, uh, not upright, but it's set up in a way where it's really easy to turn for me. So it's it's my draw club. So the the only problem I had is, uh, you know, I never got really fitted for three was that well. And uh, when I turned pro, they asked me and I'm like, well, 15 degrees. And I had this new ones that the way I hit it, I was de-lofting and, and basically hitting three woods really, really far without any control. I couldn't hit it high enough and I just didn't like it. And that's when I explained to them, I'm like, I should be able to do this, I want this. And I was with Adrian at the Masters and he gave me, last year it was an M1 with more degrees. Uh, and same thing, and this year we did the same thing. We got this one, it's actually set up neutral, but with more degrees, more spin, easier to control. And I've used it more. Uh, yeah. 
It's actually helped me be more accurate this year. It's helped me on courses like the players. Uh, there were some holes throughout the year where I just could not play because of it. And not one of them was number two at the players. Where I just simply, I needed to hit a draw. 13 at Agasta, you need to hit a draw. And uh, I did it on, you know, five holes in mind. And uh, man, it's, it's been, yeah. I've played good at some courses like Valderrama and the yeah. players, simply because this club works a little bit better. It's what it says on the bottom of the club, four iron, four iron. This is my 750 and this is the RSI. RSI, it's a little bit older version of, of the UDI, the P790s as well, uh, is not a four iron. It's, it's the shaft of a four iron, it's the specs of a four iron, but it's de-lofted. Okay. It's actually somewhere just past the three irons, closer three, two iron. This would actually be between the four iron and the five wood. The only time I use this is when I know I'm gonna use it of a tee more often. For, uh, when I'm in the US, I usually have the five wood a little bit more, uh, just because you need to carry it into those greens. This one, I can hit it high, not as high as the, as the five wood, but it's more of a tee shot kind of club. Yep. And, and that's what I have it for. So uh, last week in Wentworth, for example, this was this is the club I used a couple of times on the tee. Hopefully, probably a Carnoustie is gonna be the one I'm gonna use a couple of times. And Andrews, it's a little wider, but it, it could happen when I'm using it as well at the old course. So yeah. that's what this one's for. It's uh, the utility club. There's not many times I'm hitting it into the green, but in links course, since you're rolling it, it's a very, very strong possibility. I used to actually, even in college, I played blades. Uh, my last few years of high school, I played blades. And again, I wasn't the best iron player. And I just figured, might as well take the forgiveness out of it. And, and those 750s, when they made them, it, they're very close to, seven, uh, to 730s. They're, they're so close to what like actual muscle backs look like. You just have a little bit more forgiveness, that's it. If you put them down and look at them, I went to the truck yesterday to see, there's not that much of a difference. Uh, some people just have the preference. Uh, I've gotten used to those. Uh, yeah. And I just like the forgiveness. Part of it, maybe the reason why I'm such a good ball striker is because I have those clubs. You know, some people say it, with the shorter irons, they might have, they might like the, the muscle backs a little better. But I just, when I change to them, it's it's worked ever since then. Yeah. Uh, it didn't take much to to get adjusted to it. It's uh, I'm more consistent with them. If anything, it makes if that makes sense. So that's uh, kind of works out all together. Listen, I had I got a fit in. This is funny. People won't believe it. I got fitted when I was. I was in high school, maybe 10th grade, and they said the shafts are good for you. Haven't changed since. I know people can't, probably can't believe it. I've had these shafts for 10 years. Actually, yeah, 10, 10 years exactly. I, I honestly haven't, there was a period when I tried some other, but like, it works, honestly, I can't. And, and for the better part of my life, when I was growing up, I didn't have the chance to really get fitted. Like in Spain, the way it got fitted, basically they gave me clubs. They have different ones built in with different shafts and I hit them like, okay, I like this one. And they made me a set and that's how it was. I never got a full fit in until college, like okay. until my, my, until I won a tournament in college, basically. So okay. uh, up until then, I had no idea. I played whatever they gave me. Uh, they said, oh, this shaft should be good for you. And I'm like, okay. And I played it. I remember the driver I used for a very long time, the first R11. He was basically what you say of the rack. We went to the store, bought it, play it. It's, uh, it's actually how I played most of my life and went to college so I didn't really care with shaft and everything I felt like I could adapt to anything and yes. once I started using this uh, they work honestly and I haven't changed my driver and three wood shaft since freshman year of college so that's seven years now so for those people who think you need to like tinker all the time you don't really need to if you like something no change it's as simple as that if something works if something's good there's no need to change uh, 
Now, I might, if something really good comes along where I try it and I like it and it makes me even better, maybe. But uh, so far, I haven't tried, I haven't seen that. So I got, uh, besides the pitching wedge, I have the high toes, the 60, 56, and 52. I hardly ever hit full shots with this. So most of what I do will be three-quarter shots and feeling shots, which, uh, but the gap would be a full shot with the 56 goes uh, about 102 usually for what I've done in TrackMan, depending where I am in the world. 102 the the 60 it's usually between 85 and 90 depending where i'm in the world and the 52 is about between 115 and 120 depending where i am in the world but you hardly ever see me hit 56 or 60 full shot i'll never do i know my string already looks three quarter but you'll never do see me do a full swing unless it's a certain special circumstance the only one i'll hit full is sometimes the 52 if I don't think I can spin it enough with the pitching wedge, that's, uh, that's about it. But besides that, never, never full ones. Well, you can't tell on camera. It's, uh, you probably won't be able to tell. I might put it next to the 60. I don't know if you can tell that way. It's 30, it's just over 37 inches. It's, it's funny enough. I had a two balls putter for so long when I was an amateur. Uh, it was 35 inches since I was about 14 years old. And I had that length up until my, I think, junior or senior year of college. And I realized, they showed me a video of me putting in, uh, actually in Pasatiempo in a college event, and I looked too hunched over. I actually went through a period where I couldn't putt for more than 30 minutes because my back would start hurting. And uh, it dawned on me, I'm like, what if I just got a longer putter? You know, I've been having this length since I was, I'm 6'3 now, I was maybe 6'1", 6'2", at that time. So like, let's just get a little longer. and. Uh, I just ordered a longer putter. I remember first time, uh, first time I played with it a full round, I think I shot about eight under, made every single putt. And I said, well, that's, that's definitely working. So I'm gonna stick with that. And the main reason was because my back was hurting. And I saw with two hunched over and I went on it and, you know, better posture, looked better. And, uh, and I've been puttered better since. Yeah. It's, uh, honestly, there was no other thought to that. It doesn't look 37 in my hand just because it looks normal, but yeah, it is a little longer. So both, TaylorMade balls are really good. Uh, for my first year and a half, actually two and a half years basically, I paid the TP5X, uh, and that was basically one of the best ball strikers in the world, Tito Green. Uh, but I felt like I could, you know, I could be a little bit better. I needed maybe a little bit more control around the green, so that's where the TP5 comes in. Closer to the green, spins a little bit more, and uh, I put it on play in New Orleans, chipped in three times. I haven't looked back since. Uh, definitely have a little bit ball control on hand. I've gotten you know a little bit better in those distances, so that's why I'm using it. Uh, that great control in the long game, and uh, still that precision on the on the shorter irons, which is what I needed. And finally, why number ten? I was born the tenth of November. Okay. Simple as that. And typically, the best player in the soccer team is, is number ten in the football team. So uh, it's uh, I realized a double meaning afterwards, but as simple as I was born the tenth of November and. Uh, it was easy to, to have that number. So there was world number four, John Rahm, and he was really good chatting there, wasn't he? Uh, fascinating. That's one of the best what's in the bags I think Golf Monthly has done in my time here. Uh, Bubba Watson was a great one, which we played earlier this year as well. And we'll hear from Justin Rose next week, I believe. Yeah. But yeah, I think his approach to his equipment is very similar to his approach to his golf swing and his game. Very much like laissez-faire, just if it works, it works. Yeah. I don't really think too much about it. Whereas you look at Bryson DeChambeau, who this week became, I think, the first player in history to use 14 graphite shafts 
they are literally just chalk and cheese. At the yeah, ra- ra- yeah. Rahm saying there, you know, he's had st- he's had clubs. You know, they work for me. Why on earth do I want to change them? Uh, you know, and I think he's one of the guys who thinks, you know, the, the equipment can obviously help him out a bit, but actually, he doesn't feel it's going to help him out that much. It's actually down to him, his swing, how he plays, um, which is just really refreshing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like he said, it's like, yeah, I had these shafts since I was seventeen or whatever. They work. What's the point in changing yeah, them? Exactly. And you think, oh well, there's probably some fitters out there who think, oh, you know, if I get my hands on Drama, be able to get him in some new clubs, and we might be able to get a few yards here, there, and whatever. Ram doesn't. Ram does not care about that, does he? He just thinks, you know, down to me, play the best golf I can. So. Uh, well, yeah, he does change the heads. So he's got the, all the new tailor-made products in. Uh, I think he's got last year's irons, but yeah, it's just those shafts, isn't it? That he just yeah. doesn't change. So um, no, he's um, he's so he's a refreshing thing, and now that he's in the top four in the world, that means we've got two Europeans and two Americans in the world's top four now, haven't we? Yeah, is that right? Uh, yeah, we've got McElroy and Rahm in the top four. I think Rose is fifth, so we've yeah. actually got three of the top five. Exactly. Suddenly, the Europeans. Uh, you said lo- uh, not that long ago it, we were in a. a a period of American domination. Well, I think six to eleven are all American. Okay, so. okay. Hang on, let me finish my point before you start getting defensive. But yeah, but it's amazing how you know a couple of months down the line, suddenly there's more Europeans in the world's top five than Americans. Um, Rory's been playing superbly, got Player of the Year. Rum playing absolutely out of his skin, and Rose, who's not had that good a year, still in the world's top five, isn't he? So um, maybe the Americans aren't getting it all their way, are they? No, maybe not. Uh, yeah, it's great to see the Europeans. Oh, is that all you're getting? Is I'm that... a massive fan of European golf, obviously, and uh, any home players that do well, it's great to see. Ram is, is very quickly turning into one of my very favourites, especially after that interview and hearing how he talks. And listeners, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Indeed. Uh, well, one American did have a very good week, and, and that was Kevin Nahr. He won the Shriners Children's... No, hang on, let me get this right. The Shriners Hospitals for Children Open, which was played uh, in Vegas, wasn't it? Uh, and he overcame a back nine triple bogey to beat Patrick Cantlay in a playoff and to win his fourth PGA Tour title. Having not won for seven years since his 2011 Shriners title, he has now had three victories in his last 30 starts. He made 558 feet of putts, it says here, during the week to set a new PGA Tour record and became the first man to win a full-field PGA Tour event with a negative strokes gained off the tee. If you don't understand what that means, Elliot's going to explain that in a minute. Uh, Nar is now up to 24th in the world. Cantlay moves up to a career-high 6th with his run-up finish, just outside that world top 5 we were just talking about. Um, and world number 1, Brooks Kupka actually missed a cut for once. So, um, go on, explain the uh, negative strokes gained off the tee uh, um, stat. What does that mean, Elliot, for our listeners? Essentially, it means that he was losing ground on the field with his driving basically so his driving wasn't very good and he putted the lights out and it's a PJ tour course so obviously as adam scott roy mackerel have said you just bomb it down there chip on the f- chip on and try and putt and yeah have the putting week of your life and you win it's 23 under par and another little stat he has won three times since jordan spieth last won he, uh, Kevin Nars won that is a good yeah. stat so he's won three times since George's that is a good stat when was the last time Speed won 2017 Open at <laughs> yeah yeah we know that don't we um, yeah he's a good I quite like Kevin uh, Kevin Nars always one of those people where I he's a bit 
he's a bit odd i always think when i see him and he's had he's had he's had some moments on the course and he what was that at the time he shot 15 and he got stuck he got in a bush. 16 at the <laughs> Texas Open. <laughs> got stuck in a bush. And then there's that other time when he uh, looked like he kept on missing, <laughs> kept on having air shots, but actually he was pulling out of the shot. Yeah, at the that? Players' Championship yeah. when he was in the final group. And he, I think he was playing at Oosthuizen and he had to keep apologising to him. Yeah, because he seemed to have the, almost like the driving yips, if that's a thing. Yeah. Um, but he seems to have got his game in a really good position, maybe quickened up a bit. He was always thought of for being quite a slow player, um, and I don't know whether that's actually helped his game a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, he's a great character. He's very entertaining to watch. Uh, I don't care that he walks in putts. Have you seen that? Yeah. The um, the Americans just go crazy for it. I, what, what do you mean you don't care? Oh, you, you don't think he should do it? Or well, they call it like trademark Kevin Nar and just silly things like that. When yeah. He's just charged, yeah. He's running. He's almost running after them before they go in. It's a bit of entertainment. I don't have any problem with that because actually we need a bit of entertainment sometimes in golf. Don't Very we? true. Um, so um, no, I don't, I don't think. It, I mean, the person who finished runner-up, Cantley, he, you were chatting about last week uh, about the Ryder Cup teams. You say he's definitely going to be in there, and on this week's performance, it looks like he is definitely going to be in there. Up to sixth in the world now. Um, his odds are still no. You know, if you look at what his odds are going to be for majors for next year, you still get him at quite long odds at the moment because he seems to be getting quite a lot of top fives, doesn't he? Yeah, one of um, the 21st century's greatest amateurs. So it's nice that. I wonder what you're going to say. <laughs> he's finally fulfilling his potential, I guess you'd say. I mean, he's only won twice, but yeah, that great things are to come from Cantley. Yeah. And what about Kevin Nahr then? We didn't mention Kevin Nahr for the Ryder Cup team. He's in the top 24 in the world now. Well, Just he one. He's going to be um, really pushing now. He, his points would have gone gone quite high. Uh, he's going to be in all the majors. He's going to be in all the WGCs. Um, do you think he's got a chance of making the Ryder Cup team? Yeah, he's definitely got a chance. Um, he might make the President's Cup team as a pick wild card. Um but yeah, could you imagine if he like wins a major or something? It'd be quality. <laughs> well, Kevin Nahr. Yeah, you never thought of him like that, but perhaps. Mm, yeah, know, I mean, he's got a chance. I mean, he has won three times. He's probably the got the best chance stars. at you. Probably say at um, the USPGA, probably where it's more of a, a standard PGA Tour setup. Wouldn't you think? Uh, well, judging on that putting performance, Augusta. Yeah, I don't and know. I don't know. I have no idea. Course, I have it? no idea what his Augusta record is. No. Um, you do. Um, having played Augusta, Elliot, you know, <laughs> <laughs> if you if you're spraying it from the tee, then it, it does. You do cause yourself, which I do. Uh, which uh, it does cause yourself some issues because if you're just trying to hit the green, that's not the way to play Augusta. You need to put the ball in a specific part of the green to then be able to have a makeable putt because some of the putts are impossible um i don't know i don't think he's going to win the u.s masters famous last words but um I th- yeah and i don't think he'd have the driving game to win a u.s open and i don't know if he's got the the links knowledge to win an open yeah perhaps we should just um stop bigging kevin nara up as much. no i'm not well no, he's doing well fair play to him he's got a chance everyone's got a chance if you're in the field your game suddenly plays your game's on the point you've got a chance haven't you so um someone somebody look out and kevin i was also in the news um because he was defending one of his friends this week uh bio kim 
who sounds like a um, chemical weapon, I think, from a, a um, from a James Bond film or something like like an evil evil baddie. Do you not think? Bio Kim. He should be in a Marvel. No, I'm not getting involved. He should be in a Marvel comic with with that name. No. <laughs> Uh, he's good for well. Kevin Hart is, is good friends with Biakim, who was banned for three years by the Korean tour for swearing at fans during an event after a camera went off in his backswing. No, um, so basically, Kim um, flipped a finger or two fingers at he, the crowd. Uh, he flipped off the crowd. Yeah, some would he did. Say. So, yeah, so when he said he swore, yeah, so he uh, made a hand gesture or something. He did then also smash his driver on the ground. Oh no. Well, there you go. But he, for, for, for doing that, he got banned for three years. Uh, he was also leading uh, the Korean tour um, Order of Merit. Is that correct, isn't it? Yeah, he won that event as well. And he won the event. So yeah. he's obviously been playing very well. Which was his second win of the season. But for this yeah, for this misdemeanour, he's um, he's received a three-year ban. And Kevin Nair said he had spoken to Kim, who, who was pretty depressed. Um, he also said uh, that the three-year ban was extreme and ridiculous. Thoughts, Elliot? Uh, it's, yes, it is extreme and ridiculous, isn't it? Uh, Bio Kim also is expecting a baby with his wife or his partner. Um, so now he hasn't got a job, which is quite sad. Well, that's not true, is it? Hang on. He can still play on other tours. Yeah, which Kevin Nash spoke about, saying that he's trying to speak to the tour to get him spots and all that. Let's yeah, let's let's say let's let's concentrate on the facts of the matter here. Let's not start getting violins out and saying how how bad his life is because he would have won some money for winning some of the events and stuff like that. So he must be doing okay for himself. He's obviously been quite successful. But what do we think of the does the does the crime and the punishment do they fit? So for swearing at a crowd. Well, what do you think? Uh, I think it's harsh. Look at Sergio Garcia this year in Saudi. Know, yeah, yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. Sergio was out of order, um, got disqualified from that that tournament. He, um, he, uh, what did he do? Did he attack the greens? Yeah, he damaged six greens. Damaged I think. six greens. That's the uh, phrasing, and also was a bit careless in a couple of bunkers as well. If I remember. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, so Sergio did that. He, he he and he was disqualified from the event. Um, I feel that. Swearing at the crowd does go slightly further than Sergio's. How do you see it? Uh, no, I, I think the guy in the crowd obviously made a noise with his phone during his backswing. So fair play, he should have swore at him. <laughs> no, not he should have. But <laughs> you know, I can I can see where he yeah. Where I mean, he got it's that from. it's it's very tricky. It's also you, we've got to remember here that there's different. Um, cultures in play here. I mean, I remember seeing some pros playing. Uh, I think who was playing off? The, I think it was Tiger playing on the 18th tee at Carnoustie when there was a huge crowd around him. And it, so when was that? Two years ago. And uh, there was huge amounts of noise in his backswing. And I think there was a bit of swearing that took place. Um, it wasn't directed at anyone in particular it was just a bit of swearing which you picked up on the cameras and you do um they're picked up on the microphones and you do hear a bit of swearing on tour every every week don't you every week you hear oh sorry sorry some bad language there um but usually that's just people either swearing at themselves or i don't think they're swearing at each other or, or a particular person um yeah, I think you have got to be careful about you know what what's what might be fine on one tour might not be fine on another. I think three months would have been fair to oh, harsh. Yeah, I mean I think that's yeah. Well, I think just disqualifying from the tournament would have been 
do you know what? I think disqualifying from the tournament could have been a bit harsh. But, yeah, of course. Uh, it yeah, so I think three months would be, yeah. I, in, my point is, I, I think he should maybe been fined or something like that. Um, it but, turns out that it might do quite well for him because his commercial value is going to go up now because everyone knows who Biokim is. And if he does get some starts on the Corn Ferry Tour or the Euro- European Tour or whatever. Well, what's his world ranking? Do we, do we know his world ranking? I think he was in the 200s. Yeah. He's won twice this year. Yeah, so he's obviously doing quite well. The, the chances are he might get an opportunity in some of the uh, the smaller tours out there, none of the big tours, um, and see how it goes. But a three-year ban, let's just put that into context. That is, as you say, that is three years where he won't be able to play on this tour, which looked like it was his main um, form of, of, of work and money. Um, and I think that is a little bit harsh. I don't know what the rules are on the Korean tour. I don't know what the uh, the code of conduct is for the players. As I said, some tours have different code of conduct compared to others. Uh, some countries have different ways of acting than other countries. So um, something to look out for. And we'll see if we see Biokim, because that's the name we're going to remember, isn't it? Yeah, I want to start reporting on his golf now. We should have a little biochem section on the okay, website. Well, you, well, I, I look forward to reading that, uh, Elliot. Um, yeah, let us know what your thoughts on are on biochem's uh, um, suspension on our via uh, our social media. You can talk to us uh, at Golf Monthly on Instagram and Twitter, and Golf Monthly Magazine on Facebook. So, another person in the news was Bryce DeChambeau, who finished fourth at the Shriners uh, Championship last weekend after final round of 63 so you'd think he would be pretty happy with his game however he's not he's now taking six weeks off to bulk up here's what he said elliot you can you can pretend to be bryson shambo here all right uh you're going to see some pretty big changes in my body which is going to be a good thing going to be hitting it a lot further bigger way stronger not necessarily bigger but just stronger in general and he said he's doing this to make sure the neurological threshold is just as high as the mechanical threshold. So is he saying his body's letting down his brain? There? I think, yeah. Um, which, um, yeah. I mean, he was... Let's just recap on Deshambo. This, so, a year ago, he was in superb form, wasn't he? He won... How many events did he win? Four or five? I think he won five last year, yeah. yeah. Absolutely playing out the skin, world's top ten... Went into a lot of the majors as one of the favourites. Hasn't had a great year, um, but I, th- but I think he's just going to be that kind of player who always has that because he has a funky swing which actually has a lot of things which can go wrong in it. Uh, he has a lot of things which obviously go very right as well when he's absolutely on form. Um, he's just yeah. What he's saying is he's going to be fit. He's going to get his body fit. No, it sounds like he's. Gonna he's gonna be come like back a as a world's strongest man kind of guy. I can't wait to see what it's like. He's gonna be bigger than Kepka. Uh, no, he's not. Um, he will. <laughs> Won't he? I don't know, but I don't, I'm not his. I'm not his coach. Um, the thing is, I, you've got to be really careful. Lots of athletes have this where they change the shape of their body, and suddenly what was working for them suddenly doesn't work very well. Lee Westwood lost loads of weight a couple of years ago, actually lost his swing as well, and there's been golfers before who have tried to put on muscle, suddenly um, the way that their swing path is, it just is completely different because they've actually got bigger arms, there's less space, you know, um, to move around your body because there's more of your body. 
uh, especially with bigger muscles. So you have to be very, very careful doing these yep. things. Phil the power tailor couldn't throw a dart after he lost weight, could he? Exactly, exactly. One of my one of my good friends has lost a lot of weight recently. He's lost about 12 stone or so. And he used to be a pretty solid golfer and uh, played golf the other day. And he... he Cannot, he doesn't know what to do because he's suddenly um, what he was doing before just isn't working because his body's just completely different. So you have to be very, very careful. Um, and Shambo, I think this may be just maybe looking for some headlines. I'll be honest with you. Um, he's just going to go to the gym a bit, stay fit. I mean, he's not going to come back like a bodybuilder. No, he's off to Denver, Colorado, to meet this guy. Um, head to the Golf Monthly website. If it's not on the homepage, go on the news section for all the information. Um, but it's some program. And yeah, he's, he's going to be massive, surely. He wouldn't lie to us. Well, I know, but in, in his quote, he said, maybe not bigger, but way stronger. That's what he said, doesn't he? Yeah, but then he did also say, I'm going to look much bigger or going to look much different. I mean, yeah. This is a, this, he's just trying to get fitter, isn't he? He's been disappointed by his, his tournament, by his uh, results this year, and he's decided to try and do something different. He's averaged 318 yards off the team. I, know, this I, thought, yeah, I was going to say that. DeChambeau, um, a few years ago, you'd probably say he was actually not hitting it very far, but this year he's, he was launching it. Yeah, his arms look massive. <laughs> <in a, laughs> What's wrong with that? Yeah, it's just funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. So he hits the ball an awful long way um, already. Um, I think he just needs to play a bit more golf, not worry about it so much. Uh, he's so the opposite of John Rahm, isn't he? We've obviously already heard from this week. Rahm just wants to go out there, play some golf, and enjoy himself. DeChambeau is worried about every little tiny thing, and um, yeah, we'll wait and see. Maybe he should start eating uh, Costco pizza and double chicken burgers. I tell you what, I'd, I'd recommend them. <laughs> recommend them if you could get up to my uh my size i'm sure he'd be very happy because i'm a unit so this week what we got we got the italian open and the houston open the italian open has a much stronger field than the houston open again the european tour um having a, a much stronger tournament this week and the reason for that is mainly because it's the rolex series returns this week they're playing at olgiata golf club have i said that right Sounds right. Yeah, well, it's near Rome. Um, and it's the first time since 2002 that it's hosted. Two-time champion home favourite Francesco Molinari makes his first start in Italy since his Open victory. Uh, other people playing, Justin Rose, Paul Casey, Ian Poulter, Shane Lowry and Danny Willett. So really strong field. Um, last year, Torbjorn Olison beat Francesco Molinari to win his fifth European Tour title. Olison obviously not playing this week because he's having his own issues, which if you don't know about, Google them. Um, who do we think is going to do well this week? Uh, I was having a think. I think Danny Willett. I was so impressed with him at Wentworth. <laughs> That's such a boring answer, but go on. Uh, I think he'll be up there. I, he probably won't win because you only win once or twice a year, don't you? But I can see him going well again and putting his name up on top of the leaderboard. Yep, I wonder. I, I'm tempted to have a look at Justin Rose. Um, you know, he didn't have... He said he had this, this injury at Wentworth, but played very well. I know he knows Wentworth very well. Um, but Rose, I just feel like he's going to have a couple of star moments this year. I just feel like it. It's got to come now. He suddenly seems to be playing golf again, so it seems to be doing well. Yeah, uh, Rafa Cabrera-Bay is in good form. What Second about last week, third or fourth at Wentworth. Hmm, what about some of the Italians? Uh, I don't know, but yeah, a very good golf nation know. these days. Guido? 
Guido is exactly who I think. Uh, Andrea Pavan. I'm not even sure if Guido's playing. I would assume he is. Yeah, Pavan looks a very good player. Uh, won twice on the European Tour. Molinari's going to have the uh, bit between his teeth to try and win, I think, isn't he? Yeah, I can't believe he hasn't played in Italy since, but this is because last year the tournament was in May time. Yeah. Before the Open, and now this year it's been moved to October. Yeah, and um, have you ever been to Rome, Elliot? No, I haven't. Absolutely superb place. Do you know the th- best thing about Rome? Actually, the best thing about Italy? Uh, the food? Yes. Well, exactly. You know me too well. So you get a starter, then you get your pasta course, then you have a main course, then you have a dessert. Superb. So um, the guys there will be... You know, DeChambeau should be there. He'd be bulking up like you wouldn't believe if he was in Rome <laughs> yeah. this week, uh, just through the pasta. Oh, it makes me hungry just thinking of it. Um yeah, I think it's going to be a decent, a decent week. For the betting tips for the Italian Open, do uh, Google Golf Betting Tips and click on the Golf Monthly article. I've been doing very well at picking winners a week before they actually win. Uh, Kevin Nahr, I tipped the week before he won last weekend. And the same Cameron Tramp, I tipped him the week before. So, hopefully, so you're trending. So that means what should I do? Should, should I just pick who I chose last week? No, just imagine you're picking for next week's event. Maybe that's it. Show I'm, I need to be looking a fortnight ahead. Good, good, good thinking there. Uh, and I'll, I'll do the same for that for the Houston Open. So the tournament returns after not being part of the schedule for the 2018-2019 season, taking place at the Golf Club of Houston. It's a tricky one to remember, isn't it? Um, quite a weak field ahead of the lucrative Asian Swing in Korea and Japan, which starts next week. But there are a couple of big names, uh, including Henrik Stenson and Cameron Champ, who won a couple of weeks ago. Um, last time the tournament was hosted was in April 2018, where I did actually pick the winner, and that winner was... So did I. Well, no. You, I remember you, that. You don't count, because you don't actually write... I had £2.80 to one. <laughs> Exactly. Ian Boy. Uh, yeah, so Ian Poulter beat Bo Hostler in a playoff to qualify for the Masters. It was an emotional, fantastic victory holder, gritty uh, birdie putt, I think, if I remember rightly, on the 72nd hole, and then uh, outplayed Hosler in the playoff. Then Hosler had like a seven down the last on the first playoff hole. Yes, yes. I was trying to be nice there, but you yeah, did. Um... Who do you think is going to do well this week? Do you think Stenson? Stenson's quite a short price favourite in there. I haven't really looked, sorry. Um, what about yeah. you, the tipster? Okay, Go well, on. I've got one. Thank, luckily, oh, as sorry. You, uh, luckily, as you've tipped, you, t- you told me you tipped the winner for the last time that this was played, and now you haven't even bothered looking. I'll tell you who I fancy. Pat Perez, 28 to oh. 1. Uh, I saw him have... He had a very near albatross at the weekend when I was looking at some of the highlights... Uh, of the uh, the Shriners Open, um, and he was he's someone who's was playing very well at the start of the year, tailed off a little bit, but uh, looks like he's playing in the ball pretty nice as well. And the field is pretty wide open this week. Stenson's very short, so I think he's only six to one, and Stenson's not had the best season, so I th- Stenson looks too um, too short to actually touch. So have a look round. Uh, last week I had an each way Adam Hadwin forty five to one. Uh, and I also had a, uh, an each way of Adri Anaus as well, didn't I? So two each ways last week as well. So um, if you want to get involved with, our, with my betting tips, not Elliot's because he doesn't, he doesn't tell anybody unless he wins. He's one of those people. Uh, do Google golf betting tips and click on the golf monthly articles. Yeah, very disappointed with that field. Uh, but, you know, it's just are a- you disappointed with it or are you actually happy because it's the European Tour are, you know, getting the headlines that they deserve for once? 
the way that the schedule's been sorted, we've been talking about this for months and months, isn't it? Suddenly, European Tour is where everyone's looking because it's much stronger field. Yeah, no, it's very good. Well done to the European Tour. They've cashed in on uh, the PGA Tour season ending early. Uh, although we've got a very strong stretch coming up in the next two weeks. Yeah. So and well, let's go on. Let's talk about the schedule even more because the 2020 European Tour schedule has been announced. Elliot, what are the main talking points? It says here for me to ask you. Um, so yeah, the European Tour announced their new schedule last week. The main headline is the Irish Open's move to the end of May has been confirmed. That's because it was clashing with the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational, which mm-hmm. moved forward because of the Olympics. So that link swing in the summer before the Open is no longer. Scottish uh, Open's still there, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's back at the Renaissance Club, which was very unpopular this year. So make of that what you will. Um, that's a shame, that, isn't it? I mean, the Renaissance is a, is a nice-looking course, but I don't think it's the one that they want to really... Um practice before coming into the Open, do they? No, although they should get a better field this year, because the Irish Open isn't the week before. Yeah. Um, Rory said he's going to play it as well. well the Irish, that is. He's not missing it well, two years in a row. Yeah, I mean, Rory playing in Ireland, that's going to be great fun, isn't it? He showed how much, you know, at Port Rush this year, where it obviously didn't happen, where he got all emotional afterwards, but he showed how much the crowd really warmed to him and how much he, he, he loved playing in Ireland. So uh, it's great that he's going to be playing in Ireland again next year, isn't it? Yeah, I was in his press conference at Wentworth as well, and he said that not playing the Irish Open was a mistake. So... I don't know if he'll skip the Scottish next yeah. year. But isn't that refreshing that Roy can actually say that? Yeah, I know. Because a lot of people wouldn't say that. Say, oh, you know what, I d- didn't completely know. We we decided to do it because of this X, Y and Z. Yeah. Roy had his reasons. It didn't work out for him. He realised that was a mistake now and um, he doesn't want to make that mistake again. So, Any other headlines from the European Yeah, oh, we've got schedule? lots of headlines. Um, there's news today as well that DJ and Kepka are committed to the Saudi International, which returns in January, February time. Well, the Saudi International, obviously a controversial event for where it is, but um, we got some time with uh, Kepka last year, and obviously he came out and uh, was very vocal in his displeasure at slow play, especially of that of Bryson DeChambeau. So um, we did get some good time with Kepka at that, that event. Uh, uh, right, another story is that the British Masters is going to be hosted at Close House by Lee Westwood again. Uh, it's moved to the end of July, start of August which clashes with the Olympics. So it shouldn't affect it too much because we'll still get your regular European tour players there, but you're going to miss out on the best two players from each country, essentially. Yeah, so actually, is that going to be that bad? I think it'll be quite a big miss, yeah. There will, there will be some big names obviously missing, but I don't know actually how many of those big names would have played in it anyway. Um, well, we're going to miss the best two Frenchmen, Spanish, English. I, I, underst- I understand that's, how... There's going to be a lot of big names missing. Yeah, I understand how the best two works. But if you're in the area, it's still great live golf, isn't it? Yeah, near to Newcastle, you have a chance to uh, go out afterwards and and enjoy yourself. So, um, yeah, it's at least it's still on there. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's Olympics. It's always... The Olympics is going to have to clash with something. Um so we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. And that's sponsored by Betfred again, which is the second year of the sponsorship. And then exciting news: the very next. Hang week, on, hang on. Exciting news. Yeah, the very next week, there's a brand new UK event, which we know absolutely zero about. 
Yeah. So we all, all we know is going to, it could be the return of the I don't know. It'll be something. It, it, Should I say a whisper I've heard? Uh, Actually, I better not. I'll keep that in. Um, don't wanna, <laughs> oh, tenterhook. I don't know what that is as well. Don't want to get in trouble. Uh, but yeah, basically, where do you think that's going to be held? If it's going to be in the UK, uh, do you think it's going to be in England? The rumour I've heard is where it's being held. Okay, in the well, mid- Midlands. Well, okay, <laughs> just <laughs> you could have just said England. So you think England, which I think is great. If we can be in England, because next year, um, England is going to, England has got a big chance, hasn't it? Because the Open's in England at St George's, obviously pretty near to London. Uh, Close House is obviously northeast. Um, and if they get a, manage to get an event in, in somewhere near the Midlands or something like that, um, but somewhere other than those other two places, and that's great. Obviously, Scotland also has the Scottish Open. It also has the, the Dunhill Links um, as well. Uh, Ireland's got the Irish Open. Uh, Wales missing out a bit at the moment. To be fair, it, I think it was just a comment on Twitter by one of our followers who just said it could be at the JCB Club. Okay. The new um, exclusive venue that is built by the JCB company, right by the headquarters. Well, there you go. It could be that. It could be that. We don't uh, know. It's yeah. his, his no we, we, we don't actually know, do we? So, um, but it'd be great if it's... I think it would be good if it was in England near a, a big... Uh, Population hub, as it were. So uh, yeah, we'll wait and see how that how that is, um, and maybe that tournament will do something similar to what the players' championship is. Oh, I'm still talking. Oh, are you? Oh, yeah. oh, I've, oh, I've moved you on. You bored um, you bored me with all your non hearsay. Go on. What was your last the last thing on the schedule? Come on. Uh, Andalusia Masters moves to April. Ryder Cup points. You've stopped me to say that the Andalusia mate. No, Andalusia. And unbelievable Masters, unbelievable you have we'll see the points for the right, right one you've got to say one more one more tournament stop garb stop telling us the whole schedule one more standout event um, maybe what's happening at the end of the season i've got two points Ugh. they're both important okay um there's no belgian knockout or world super six perth those but inno- I, I i'm going to come over to the table and give you a slap no one cares about that they're innovative events that are gone and then the final point is bad news for the open de france which was a rolex series event just two years ago uh, it still has no sponsor, and it's now clashing with the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Have you finished? After the 2018 Ryder Cup. Have you finished now? Uh, yeah, I have. Good. I'm moving you on. Well, I'm, listeners, I, I am moving you, you, I'm moving you on. I'm moving you on. Two, news at the Players' Championship is to show every shot from every player live on PJ Tour live. That's... How many shots would that be, do you reckon? Something off the top of your head? About, it says here, 32,000. Um... Uh, 32,000 shots live. So the Masters last year did something similar where you could watch every shot of every player via their uh, website where you could just click on the leaderboard and you could go to each hole and it would show you how the players played it. But this is actually going to be showing it live. I'm trying to be like the guy on... uh, And it's live. That's it, Soccer soccer Sunday guy, whatever his name is. Um, Yeah, this is going to be brilliant, isn't it? Well, I thought the Masters was brilliant. Uh, but yeah, this is it's great. I think it's been introduced for the gambling market. I would assume that you agree, wouldn't you? But, uh, I don't know. That you, the gambling if you've market. got a bet on your player and you just want to see how he's getting on to follow him. Mm, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure. Because wasn't that? I'm way not sure about. I mean, I don't think that's got that much to do about it. Um, I think it's if you want to follow a particular player, or if you want to keep because I. 
I'm not sure how they're doing it. Obviously, they're going to show it live, so it just means that you can almost like just choose your player, isn't it? And you can just watch one player or a group or whatever, however they're going to do it. And I assume that you're then also going to be then able to to go back and watch the shots afterwards as well. We don't actually know that yet, do we? No. Uh, also, it's on PGA Tour Live, which is an American thing. So I assume Golf TV will then pick it up because they've got the rights outside. So, of the all US. The, so there's going to be how many people in the players? 150, say, circa. Yeah. Who's going to be? Who's going to get the most people watching every one one of their shots? Tiger. Who's going to be the player that gets the least? Um, <laughs> <laughs> probably shouldn't say that, should we? <laughs> I'll just say, but that, it is going to be one of those things where they're going to show every shot live and there's going to be some people who are just not going to be watched at all. So it's a bit odd they're having to do it all live. I think they're just trying to make sure that they cover... Because you do get um, in the team, every tournament throughout, throughout the week, there will be shots which are missed. There'll be birdies or eagles or whatever, or hold shots, which some... That's which, true. which are missed because they just cannot cover every shot usually um, because of that, the amount that's going on. I mean, as you said, thirty-two thousand shots. Um, For example, that Phil Mickelson driver out of the bushes was not captured; it was just done by a fan. Yeah. So, so Phil Mickelson hit hit a driver out of some very thick rough uh, the other day, and it was seen because a, a fan was um, videoing it. So yeah, we should be able to get to see all the quirky, amazing, unlucky, funny shots, but it does also put the cost up for the producers which then will be passed on to the fans so i don't know if we're going to well, start you have to pay more i mean the players has got a lot of money um hasn't it it's a it's a big event and the other thing with players because it's a kind of like that stadium course as they call it they've got all the the tv points there already um obviously they're going to need probably some more more people to cover it um on the ground because obviously you can't see every inch of the course um, and people always hit it into random positions don't they so um, but I think that that course because it's a permanent place you know that they're, they're going to have that a great event every uh, every year and it just makes the players an even better event doesn't it it just makes it a more it's just saying we are doing absolutely everything here to make sure that, that we get as many people watching it as possible and enjoying the golf as much as possible um, it is essentially major now anyway isn't it well essentially but it's everything but name isn't it I mean the prize from the field what uh, you get for winning it as well the exemptions yeah, yeah. you know it's um, the prestige is all, all butter major isn't it and so. it's, a, it's a great viewing course yeah the fans That's I that, love watching the that's players that's fans if it was a really really good tournament and with everyone there but no one's watching it uh, then it's a bit of a waste of time but they have massive crowds there um, and it can be has a, that closing stretch of holes which can be so exciting as well like this year, uh, Rory was on the 17th tee with a wedge in his hand, one of the best players in the world. And you could just tell how tense it was yeah. with a wedge in your hand, which yeah. is, yeah, it's a great test of golf. Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, that's going to be great. So, we have had, moving on very quickly, one question at least I've seen here from social media. Would you like to, say, to ask me what it is? Yeah, Andy Wardrop got in touch on Facebook uh, asking us how we can avoid silly scoring like we recently saw at the Dunhill Cup. I think you mean the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship. Oh, um, a bit harsh and handy there. <laughs> we, we knew what we were talking about. Yeah, I knew what we were talking about. But, yes. you know, um, longer rough, more dog legs, more severe greens. Would pros steer clear for fear of looking average? Right, so I have something the, to say so on this. Oh, go on. 
Go on, you, you um, go first and then I'll... Just our editor, Mike Harris, is a member of the RNA, so he gets to play in the St Andrews autumn meetings and spring meetings and stuff. And he played a week before the Dunhill on the old course, and he said the pins were tougher for his autumn meeting than they were for the Dunhill links. Which yeah. is to accommodate the amateurs. Yeah, so. but let's just think what the Dunhill Links Championship is. At. It is also, it's a pro-am. There are some amateur golfers there. There's some golfers that aren't great. And it's slow going at the best of times. But if they made the course so impossible, then actually those amateurs wouldn't enjoy themselves and there's a lot of money around it and all that stuff. Also, I feel that it was a bit unlucky this year. The, the courses got pretty flooded a couple of days beforehand and then there was no wind so they were playing pretty soft the pros were just attacking the greens they were getting the ball to stop really quickly and that means they could just hold parts all the time I don't think we saw silly scoring really either no, was, I don't think it was I that the winner was 22 under yeah. which is I mean, which it's is just because Rory's comments I mean, of his uh, of Andy's thoughts more dog legs I mean no I mean that's just changing ripping up the courses and dog legs don't really make a difference uh, severe greens I mean depends where you're playing you don't want to make them mickey mouse do you um longer rough now that's a good idea making you know the trickier to off, off the tee but then links courses are so difficult if the wind was up then they would have been really struggling to find the fairways and the greens uh, and it is amazing we have had a few championships of, of late i think that we've been playing on links courses and the weather which is the the, the biggest test of links golf that just has been has sided with the pros it's happened uh at burtdale remember burtdale we were there that Saturday when uh, Grace shot 62, it was glorious. There was not a breath of wind. And, um, yeah, it happens like that sometimes. But that's golf. You've got, got a bit, get a bit lucky sometimes and you've got to use the conditions when you, you get on the right side of the draw. So there's, you know, more, longer rough on most golf courses will make, make them tougher, won't it? Yeah, I don't think anything's going to happen, though. Um, it would be really nice to hear the PJ Tour or the European Tour or the RNA or whatever come out and say, we would like to toughen up our professional courses. I know, but then the, the only point at the moment, the only way that they seem to make them try and make them tougher is to make them longer, and that's not working, is it? No, no. So, They've got to make it reward great ball striking. Yeah, exactly. So I think the best way to do that is to make the fairways thinner, lengthen the rough and then make missing the green a proper penalty not just a, a simple up and down um, yeah we never really see challenging chipping around the green yeah because you see but when we when we look at really good golf courses yeah really really good golf courses that they struggle with every single time and then they'll play four rounds and the winning score might be eight or nine under you think, oh, well, that's obviously was a, a proper test, wasn't it? Uh, you, you also don't want to see the US Open every week. You don't want to see overpass scores winning golf tournaments every single week because then it gets a bit, oh, this is just a struggle. It's not quite fun watching pros just struggle. So it is tough to get that that proper line. And if you look back over the years, I'm sure that Daniel Lynx has also had some very tough weeks where uh, the scoring's not been as good. So... Uh, it's tricky, and I've, I feel for the tournament uh, when uh, and the courses, especially when suddenly the conditions are in the golfers' favour. But that's sport, isn't it? Yeah, well said. Well, thanks, thanks, Elliot. It means a lot. Um, any other social questions we've had or anything that we wanted to bring up, Elliot? No, that's the only one we. we got oh, that's the only one you've been bothered with this week. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so any golf this week, Elliot? No. 
I might play. I've got a curry on Friday night, so I'm looking forward a to curry. That. So yeah, just know Elliot's on a diet. It's going really well. Um, yeah, Friday night curry that should really sort you out. <laughs> so uh, yeah, next week you'll find out what uh, Elliot had for his curry, and if he did play golf, that's exciting, isn't it? And also we'll I'll uh, be looking back on the Italian Open and ahead to the PGA Tours Asian Swing in Korea and Japan. We'll also hear from former world number one Justin Rose on his equipment setup and his move to Homa. So until then, Elliot. Thanks, Tom. Have Pleasure. A, have a good madras. Oh, good luck uh, on your run at the weekend. Oh, thank you. I hope yeah. you finish it. Yes, yeah, so do I. That's the whole point. Uh, thank you. Uh, well, you'll find out next week whether I do or whether I had to get an Uber. So that'd be fine, my dear. So until next week, we'll speak to you then. Bye.